Welcome to the Whole Church Podcast, your favorite church unity podcast, probably. If you want to hear from pastors, professors, and everything in between, right, sure. And, you know, the occasional train talk. Right, right, yeah. Uh, have we got the podcast for you? All right, guys, welcome to the Whole Church Podcast. We're very excited to have a guest, Father Pat, back with us. I'm your host, Joshua, featuring co host Tiberius Juan, Rodriguez, Marco, Polo. The 23rd. It's just TJ and Josh, who apparently no longer has a last name. I don't need a last name. It's Joshua. And uh, what well, is the last name? Father Pat here again. <laughs> Father Pat, Pat right? Hart. Yeah. Hart. Okay. Hart. All right. I do have a last name. Correct. He did. Yeah. Good. He has one. We can't all be Beyonce. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just Josh and Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce. All right. And Cher. And Cher. Yeah. And Sonny. Well, he. Oh, no. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, he yeah. Yeah, last name. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> those of you. Who aren't aware? Father Pat was on Catholic Talk. Yeah, Catholic Talk is probably about ten episodes ago, something like that. It's been a little while. Uh, he is the priest here at St. Matthew's Catholic Church. It's ten thousand families, you said, mm-hmm. and a uh, decent-sized church here in Charlotte. And uh, I think that's all you need to know. If you need to know more, go listen to Catholic Talk first. <laughs> um, but yeah. So we did want to talk some about how our listeners can support what we're doing here. Um, and with that, we're just going to talk about some of our needs. Uh, you can support us on Patreon financially, or if you know people who are able to help us with some of what we need, let us know. You know, everything can help. Uh, we're trying to get a new computer. This computer is old and garbage. Uh, we need new audio editing software, money for travel, now that TJ's further away from me, so we do a lot more travel. Right. Um, hopefully one day we can get our own studio. Um, ads and shares. Of course, one great way everyone can always help is just by sharing our episode, sharing what we put on our Facebook so other people can see it. We're trying to do a great job at it, turns out. We were looking at earlier this morning just how many listens we have on everything, and it's been about a 60% increase over the last few months. So awesome job, guys. It's less than that. It's the last few weeks, isn't it? Yeah, some of that. Yeah. yeah. Ever since, uh, let's see, I think it was Pete ends, around the time Pete ends and Father Pat was on last time. So around then it went from it's been a little while. averaging. But yeah. Got to about 60% more. Um, we do have a Twitter now. We need someone to help run that if they're willing. Um, we're still looking for a design for our SoundCloud cover and our Facebook cover photo, as well as a new updated theme song. And something that I've been waiting to announce that a project I personally want to be working on is that we're going to call it Unite Charlotte. Um, anytime you know churches in Charlotte are doing to help with one another, if you have a post and you want to hashtag Whole Church Charlotte so we can all see that, uh, we just want to see examples in Charlotte of churches working together and being united. So if you guys can just, anything you see that's there, throw that hashtag on it so that we can see it and perhaps share it ourselves. As well as, uh, I'm looking to next year, I'm going to be talking to a few different churches and try and get a group together so we can talk about, just have some leaders sit down and say, hey, what can we do to help each other out more? So uh, we're looking to do that sometime in the next year. Right. Yeah. That'll be a lunch and our picnic. Or yeah, one conference, of those things. Something. Yeah. And so we'll have food and it'll have the works. We have ideas. What we do know is that we want to, we don't want to just be unity awareness. We want to cause unity. Right. Do whatever we can to make it happen. Yeah. So, um, with yeah. that, that being said, uh, despite the fact that we all know Father Pat now, uh, 
we thought it is still imperative for us to do an icebreaker question. Oh yeah, I've uh, I mean, I've been telling people at work about this one. I've been looking forward to seeing Father Pat's answer for at least a couple weeks now. Just I like this question a lot. Mm-hmm. So the question this week is: If you had to pick any mythological creature to fight, what would you pick? Yeah. So we have, we created some parameters. Nothing too human-like, so you can't do um, witches or vampires or elves. But anything from dragon to unicorn to orcs, goblins, dinobergans, I guess. <laughs> That's a bad choice. <laughs> but you can choose it if you want. But, uh, so. Well, I mean, I, I, I fear that I'm going to disappoint you here. I'm not really up on my mythological creatures. I mean... I don't know what a Demogorgon is or whatever you just right. said. Uh, well, that's not something you want to fight. It's not something you want to fight. I won't pick that. Yeah, that's, a, that's um, less mythological, a more like current fantasy creature. Gotcha. Gosh, a mythological creature. Uh, so we're looking like werewolves, unicorns, dragons. Did you, did you want to start? I do. I'm I know my class. Because I, I think I have the right answer. So I'm going to wait. Okay. Well, I would very much choose to find a leprechaun. Just because, <laughs> I mean, they're sneaky, but there's no way they're faster and stronger than me. That makes sense. Kick it one good time and <laughs> probably fight over. Kick yeah. it good? Yeah, just, I'm going to kick it real good. <laughs> All right. If I'm forced to. How about, I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll throw out there. Maybe the Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy. That's, I mean, I can't imagine the two fairies yeah. all that fierce, right? Although sometimes he has to knock. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's got a bunch of teeth. He's probably not very well secured. So he'd be, like, very guard, you know, guarding yeah. of these teeth, and they'll kind of fall over the place. And all you have to do is sort of, like, shake them up a little bit. Drops a couple of teeth. He's going to go after the teeth. Maybe get a fly swatter. Yeah. Yeah. If, it's like, if it's like the normal two fairy, that's a good choice. But yeah, I've seen some... Fairy. I mean, how many two fairies are there? I've, I've seen, seen some ones. scary... Like depictions of the tooth fairy. Really? Yeah. But why? Where like he's he's just made out of teeth. Yeah, that's just, just gross. I uh. Wow. All right. So my answer would be the jackalope because it's a bunny with antlers. Uh, Can't be that hard to fight. And when I'm done, two of my favorite meats right there, deer and rabbit. There's no way you'll be able to catch it though. I bet I could. I could fight it with a gun, right? That's not a fight. Mm. I don't think that that's a shooting. I think I can catch it. That, I'm going to catch it. It's a jackal. Yeah, but it's going to throw its antlers at you and you're going to get hurt. Mm. You're, going to, you're mm. going down, my friend. Sorry. They're as fast as a regular. They're as fast as a jackrabbit. Jackrabbits run like 35 miles an hour. I think both of us have a better that's chance at all with all the mythological characters than you do. And I'm not I'm I'm even know mythological characters. <laughs> I don't even know a leprechaun wouldn't taste great. What? Who said you have to eat it? it? I didn't think that was part of it. You no, he just said it. he thinks his is going to taste the best. Oh. It's not. You don't have to eat the tooth fairy. Tooth fairy is a good answer, though. Easy yeah. answer. I mean, I like considering probably, I was pre- you thought about this for two weeks, I was completely unprepared and don't know any right. mythological well, I was think- I was actually thinking the wrong direction until I read this off the paper. I thought we were choosing one to become oh, until okay. I read it. So that's I why I was so confused earlier when you were like to become a bird man. I was like, I guess you could. I just wanted to be able to fly. <laughs> but anyway, now we can start with the actual episode. Uh, thanks for listening this long. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> what our listeners don't know is that you told an hour-long joke prior to us. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> it was Father Pat still has on his computer right now the the B joke. 
If y'all don't know it, look up Long Beach. Well, do, 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 do broadcast that. If any of my parishioners listen, that's going to end up an homily, and I don't want to. I don't know. That's I want to destroy it. Uh, support us on Patreon. Stop. You do it. <laughs> anyway, what we talked about last time with our Catholic episode, uh, we talked about the Rosary. Uh, we talked about the Catholic Church not praying to saints or praying. Yeah. Yeah, that's not praying to saints. Not praying to saints, asking for saints. Uh, We talked about the Virgin Mary a little bit. We talked about symbolism in the Catholic Church a little bit. I remember. uh, Anything else, Josh? We did talk a lot about scripture and tradition and how they're both authority in the Catholic Church. But um, we wanted to talk more about how, with that kind of view on authority, how the Catholic Church relates to other Christian traditions who maybe have different views of authority. So, uh, it's just kind of running through for everybody. So, I don't know how familiar everyone is with what other churches believe as far as authority. Uh, most Protestant churches are sola scriptura, so they believe that the Bible by itself can interpret itself and is its own authority, which is a challenging belief the more you look at it. There's a lot of stuff in the Bible that seems to be contradicting itself and it's hard to not let reasoning take effect at all in how you read the Bible but um, that, that is the most popular belief held by Protestant churches and it's well, the idea is that it's the only authority right right yeah um, there's also a lot of Protestant churches that are prima scriptura like uh, the Methodist Church and the Anglican Church where let's see scripture isn't the only authority but it's the most important authority and so they also, um, like the Methodists, they have the Wesleyan quadrilateral. So it's scripture and tradition and reasoning and experience are all equal in authority. But for some reason, if there's a tie, scripture wins. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know why there would be a tie. Isn't like, uh, it Yeah, like, like all four compete with each other this time, so scripture is more important. All four of them choose something different? Yeah, yeah. Scripture? Yeah, they don't agree, which... It's just an interesting concept that they built into their theology, the idea that, hey, what if all of this doesn't agree with itself? I, I guess it's good to have like a fail-safe. Right? I guess it's like in that case, it's scripture. Yeah. yeah. But um, how, if you don't believe the same way, that how could they better relate to their Catholic brothers and sisters? You know, if you're saying scripture is the only authority, let's, let's, you know, let's say that I believe that, I come to you and you're teaching something from you know the authority of tradition. Are we able to just kind of look past that, or how do we relate on matters like that? If you understand what I'm trying to ask. So uh, I think so. Convoluted um, question. You know, I I'm just this is sort of coming to my head, so this is might not come out uh, very um, well. You know. Yeah. Eloquently is the one I'm looking for. Might not come out eloquently, but it's interesting. As I heard you saying, you know, sola scriptura, primus, primus yeah. scriptura. Yeah. Um, you know, scripture is the only authority. Scripture is the prime authority. I, I, I've never seen a statement that says this, but I think I could say that we, would, the, the the Catholic Church, would say that God is the only authority, right? That that, yeah. that and I'm, I'm and I'm not saying that. Or my Protestant brothers and sisters wouldn't say that as well, right? But, yeah. <laughs> but, but I would say, you know, obviously God is the only authority, right? And and um, 
we, I would say the Catholics believe, the Catholic Church believes that God speaks to us or reveals himself to us in, in various ways, right? In scripture, yeah. uh, in the tradition of the church and the authority of the church, right? Being the, the primary creation as well. You yeah. know, even before there was scripture and tradition, there was creation, right? So, so God was revealing himself to us even before, before there was scripture, right? Mm-hmm. So, so God reveals himself to us in, in those three ways, um, with the ultimate, or the the, the um, yeah the ultimate revelation or the the paradigm of revelation being in the person of Jesus Christ. Right? Yeah. So um, so I, I guess that's that's what you would say, right? That the scripture certainly has authority because it's the it's the written it's the written and spoken word of God, right? Yeah. Uh, so obviously the church recognizes that, um, but almost you know like you were saying, while that sounds brilliant, right? It's like, oh, yeah. it's only scripture. There's, there's actually problem. There's, there's big challenges associated with that, right? Because, because, um, like you said, scripture sometimes seems to contradict itself, or um, probably even more challenging is the fact that you and I could both read some scripture, or I could read some scripture, and a, a Protestant pastor who's been a pastor for many years could yeah. read that same scripture, and we could come up with two different interpretations, right? Um, and and that frankly happens all the time, right? We, we see that in the church, right? That 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 different different pastors interpret things in different ways, and and that very often results in a whole new church, right? Because because because, because Joshua says, well, I don't I don't believe what Pastor G, G, TJ says. I don't agree with the interpretation, so I'm going to go down the street to to Pastor John because what he says makes more sense to me, you know, yeah. and. So I th- I think that's the challenge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah Sorry, right, there's there's so much stuff just with that. First off, for listeners who don't know, I, I there was I forget who it was. I want to say it was the Pope at the time said it when the Protestants were breaking off from the Catholic Church in the first place. Said, "Hey, uh, you guys do this, and you're all interpreting yourself. You're going to end up with 20 million fra- fractions in that. That is what we have now. Yeah, it's a lot <laughs> it's of true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's good to have different perspectives. It's bad not to have unity. So trying to right. find a way to right. do Absolutely. both. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, uh, it's like the church as a whole used to be a glass. Yeah. And, you know, what happens when you break glass once? Keeps breaking. Really easy to break both pieces. Sure. Oh, yeah. And I, I do think also, I think a lot of it's almost language barriers. You know, um, the Wesleyan quadrilateral, where it's like, oh, reason is just as important as this other thing. I don't think, you know, when we argue that, I think people will take stances like, oh, no, it's not as important as Scripture and be willing to argue it. But when you sit down and look at Scripture and you use reasoning to say, hey, this is what it says, I don't think people are going to be like, oh, no, you can't do that, sir. Or if the Bible's clear on something, it's like murder. That's just an easy one, right? Catholic Church believes tradition and Bible are both equal in authority. I could believe Scripture and is authority. You could believe with let us not the Bible, and all of us are going to be like, "Yeah, no, that that's clear. The Bible does say that, and we accept that as authority." Right? So, I do think the Bible is an important place to start. Maybe it's not the only place to go to, but I think if we agree on the Bible, we should still be able to have some sort of unity, right? Because Catholic yeah, yeah. isn't going to say 
The Bible's wrong at any point. Uh, no, yeah. no, absolutely not, right? So I think last time we were here, yeah. whether it was part of the podcast or just sort of casual conversation a lot outside before of an answer, you know, after I, I think I, I brought out a, a papal document, you know, a document That's that was great. issued by the Pope, and I, and, I, and I picked a random one. I mean, I, and I could pick, what, it wouldn't matter what one I picked, right? Yeah. The, what you would notice is that throughout the document, basically with every statement, that the Holy Father is making, or the bishops are making in this document, every statement is referenced by right. Scripture and tradition, mm -hmm. right? So, so Scripture is an authority, right? It is, it's the Word of God. Like, you know, yeah. none of us are denying that Scripture <laughs> is the Word of God, right? And so, and so the Church, the Catholic Church, would, would um, be certain that anything that she was teaching was in accord with scripture and tradition, yeah. right? That that if it contradicted scripture and tradition, then it can't be true. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so yeah. if if you're wondering, yeah, don't worry. All papal documents are properly cited in ML MLA format. I can't vouch for this MLA format. I'm not, I'm not uh, sure what uh, format they use. use uh, I've, I've lost my... Uh, Chicago? It's been a while since uh, I've written the paper. So. He says, is it Chicago? Yeah, yeah, Chicago. Oh, man. But, yes, I, well, and I think the, the important takeaway, because I, you know, I want to say the wrestling part a lot in the... Um, what would you call it? Dual revelation? Is that what you guys would call, I guess, the tradition and... Scripture being equal. I'm trying to think of an easy term to call it. Right? I don't even know if I would say yeah. equal. I would just say it's all part of revelation. Yeah. Right? It's, it's all part of revelation. Yeah. But uh, that belief, your belief as Catholics, and you know, someone who believes the wrestling quadrilateral, it should be able, you're still able to learn from one another because you can't contradict Scripture. I'm trying to think of a, a silly example. I like doing silly examples. Um, if for some reason the Catholic Church came out and said, uh, Sweet tea is the best beverage, according to the Bible. And, you know, they had actual something in the Bible to prove it. Yeah, well, that's true. Even if I was a, was a Methodist, I should still be able to learn from that because you can't say something that contradicts Scripture. So it's not like I should have any fear that what you're saying is false. I, that's how I would interpret it. Or we could flip the tables, I guess, if uh, someone was a Methodist, because apparently experience is equal to all the other ones, they've experienced that sweet tea is the best beverage. Which, that actually makes I a lot of sense. <laughs> they teach that as true. There's no reason a Catholic brother should then be able to say, okay, well, because what they're saying is that they still can never contradict Scripture even with that. So you shouldn't still be able to learn from one another? Yeah, what I'm asking? yeah that's true. Although, although, and that's the first time I've ever heard about the Wesley Satellite. So, so I, I didn't know about that, um, or or this sense of experience being yeah. authoritative. Um, I, I think the church, the Catholic Church, would potentially disagree with that, depending on what you mean by experience, because because, and again, I think we talked about this last time. The church would never, like the church would never come out. The church might come out and say sweet tea is the best, you know, beverage because there's true. The church has never made a statement on the best beverage before, right? Yeah. Right. So, so you know what I mean. So, so that would be something that was, not, you know, if if it was actually in scripture and tradition, okay. If it was not in conflict with scripture and tradition, they might come out and say, well, this has always been true. It didn't just become true, right? It's always been it's true. It's always been the best beverage. Right. Who decided to say it? 
but when you when you bring experience into it, depending on what you mean by experience, right? Yeah. I could see potentially that coming into conflict with tradition, right? So, so in other words, um, if the church were to say tomorrow, if the Pope were to come out and say tomorrow yeah. that um, that murder that 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 the murder of an innocent innocent person was not a sin. All okay. the time. Right. The, the, right. the church the right. church could not do that. Yeah. And the reason why the church couldn't do it, the Pope couldn't do it, no bishop could do it, no priest could do it, right? Yeah. And and be considered authoritative because the unbroken tradition of the church from the time that it first thought about murder yeah. was that it was it was a sin. And also, right. the Bible's still authority, and the, and the Bible's authority so, too. But and that original, that yeah. original, that original teaching was made in 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 um, not collaboration, but in yeah. agreement or communion with the Bible teaching, right? And it's it's been the consistent teaching of the church. So because it's now part of the tradition, someone can say, well, you know, somebody can say, well, we've had this experience now, and like yeah. we've and because of this experience, we've decided that innocent people really can be killed. You know, that would be. That would be saying, in effect, that the Holy Spirit, which Jesus promised, would guide the church, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Would lead us to truth, right? Not would never lead us into error, right? The Holy Spirit, like, was on vacation for the first two thousand years. Exactly, he was actually just right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so that's where maybe, and again, I don't because I don't know the rest of it. Yeah, what it's um, it's like an opinion is built off experience. Yeah. Well it's um, I, I assume that's not what but it, yeah, they're quite lateral. From what I understand, they're talking about spiritual speech. We yeah. have a Methodist on podcast Yeah, you said that earlier. Yeah, you said that earlier today. But uh, not but, okay, yeah, but, but uh oh yeah, episode. What I've studied, which I could be wrong, we'll have a Methodist pastor on soon to tell me if I'm wrong. But uh, what I understand is that they're saying a spiritual experience, and it still can't contradict tradition, scripture, okay. and reason. So, um, so it's like yeah, a new affirmation. Even if they had, you know, experienced no murder is good. Well, they can't just say that because the Bible disagrees with them, tradition disagrees with them, and reason also disagrees with them. Right. So they they still can't do that. But it's um, it, it's a very interesting that it's they like added experience on there. The Anglican Church, from what I understand, believes reasoning, tradition, and um, the Bible are equal. But they don't add that fourth one on that the Methodists do. It could be wrong, but that's how I understood it. We are talking to um, Father Michael from St. Michael's Anglican Church soon, so I can ask him that. Okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So, let's backtrack and I'll go to us. We are part of Church of God of Prophecy, believes Sola Scriptura, our, our church does officially. If a pastor is able to find something in Scripture and say, this is truth, there's no reason a Catholic brother should be against learning from that, right? Just like we shouldn't be against learning something from Catholic because we all agree that we can't contradict Scripture. True. Okay. True. The Catholic might not agree with it. Yeah. Might not agree with the interpretation. Right. Because it conflict, yes. it conflicts with the tradition. Yeah. Not that they the should feel like they have to learn from it. Just right. We can be open to learning from Absolutely. one another because we Absolutely. have that one foundation of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, can can someone think about it as like the tra- like tradition and the Scripture are kind of like a double filtering system? Like, 
you know, we just base it off scripture. Uh, but that comes with our interpretation as a church of what the scripture says. Yeah. And you have tradition to like filter out what that could mean as opposed to we don't. So is it just like one of that, that kind of deal where like you have to double boil chocolate to melt it properly or? Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, uh, an expert on either double boiling chocolate or filter systems. However, <laughs> that, that, doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like a terrible analogy. Um, in that tradition is yeah, meant to, on that chocolate thing, is yeah. meant to hold us to an hold us to an authentic or be a self fail safe, uh, keeping us to an authentic interpretation of scripture, because it's also in communion with what the church has always taught. We believe the church church's teaching on on faith and morals is guided by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit can't err. So. I think um, human beings cannot interpret scripture, but the Holy Spirit cannot. So, well, it's like uh, C.S. Lewis's friend said, "We see better standing on the shoulder of giants." Some people might know he has a friend. It's like a Tolkien something. Oh, uh, Tolkien. I think it's better. C.S. Lewis. J.R. No, C.S. Lewis. Yeah, he's just been. way more boring. Dumb. <laughs> I just feel the need to say C.S. Lewis as many times. As you I like C.S. Lewis? He's my favorite. You don't like Tolkien. I like he's okay. Actually, yeah, I like a lot of his quotes. His Tolkien does have better quotes. Yes, Lewis, I like his books better, but I like Tolkien's have better quotes. Like the um, "Not all wanderers are lost" that everybody puts on everything now. Yeah, that's it's a good Tolkien line. He was a really smart guy. Was a lot better before people ever used that line. He was also in World War One. Tolkien was yeah. Yes, Lewis was too. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Fun yeah. fact of the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So, all right. So, uh, so moving on. <laughs> The next thing on our list is uh, about spirit-first churches, like the the Greek Orthodox. Yeah, what they um, what Father Jonathan said, in, and then whenever I use Wikipedia, so it's not official research. If it has disclaimer out official. there, yeah, disclaimer out there. I use Wikipedia for this research, but both Father Jonathan and Wikipedia use the exact same line, which was interesting. So I wonder if he wrote the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, if you scroll all the way down, you really a smart guy. Yeah, but he um. What it said that uh, they believe in Scripture first, but in the sense that they believe revelation comes from the Spirit through the Scripture. So, like, they both, whenever they're talking about the authority, seem like they need to have a, yeah, that's, a necessity that's, that's to actually, say the That's thing. actually a pretty nice image, yeah. That the Spirit's coming through the Scripture and guiding the Church into the tradition. Yeah. Which, I think that's a lot, you know, when we get almost kind of, jumbled all together thinking about what do you think is the main authority which I like what you said earlier God's the main authority right, right. yeah and if we really believe what the Bible says I've been on this kick for a while if we really believe what the Bible says about the spirit in us right we really believe the spirit's in us it's not going to contradict right I mean if it's the same spirit same truth what's it Paul writes that one truth one spirit we should be able to rely on that as believers and of course Things are going to come up, or maybe we don't always agree. But I think it's really important that that statement of the Spirit through the Scripture, mm-hmm. relying on the Spirit first, I think is really important. That's actually a really interesting image, because you said Spirit through the Scripture, and then Father Pat just said Spirit through the Scripture into tradition. Into tradition. And I assume the Wesleyan quadrilateral would say through tradition into experience. 
Yeah, so we might have to go a few steps further. Yeah. It might be, this might be like a ladder system. <laughs> but in, yeah, how many steps do you believe in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many rungs are on your spiritual ladder? Okay. Uh, the, I, like, I like the filter analogy now. Yeah, like, yeah that, that, that sounds good. There's a lot. But, but the spirit led, yeah, I agree. The, the spirit's not going to lead us into error, right? But, but remember that we're human instruments. So we might not be there. the spirits leading us to error, but we could error, right? Like individuals, yeah, we certainly can error because, because, because we are we are affected and, and um, compromised mm-hmm. by the effects of sin, right? So, so to, to rely on, you know, Joshua has this spirit, what he feels like is a spirit-led interpretation of Scripture, and Father Pat has this, what I feel like is a spirit-led interpretation of Scripture, and we're at loggerheads. Well, how do we, do, how do we resolve that difference? Right? Some wrestling match. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so you guys have tradition we're just we're the Bible or it's not right. in the Bible. That's, yeah, that's scripture pretty much it. And yeah. then heated debate about what we do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But reasoning isn't as... And the church, I mean, the Catholic Church is heated debate too. It's not like we don't debate it, right? <laughs> I mean, we're always having councils and synods and all these meetings, right? That are, just look cooler. That are, that are, you know, are, are, you know, because let's face it, we didn't have, we didn't have issues like, you know, there, there are, there are, there are modern day issues that the early church fathers never considered. Yeah, it did not exist. <laughs> right? yeah. They just didn't exist, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't even, like, right. possible. So there are, when we talk about, for example, if we're talking about something like uh, uh, in vitro fertilization, or those yeah, yeah, exactly. well, crazy stuff. Right, that's not, that didn't happen in the year 422. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so oh, that way they weren't talking about that. There's no, tradi- there's no tradition around that particular topic, right? So, so there has to be discussions and debates in the present day that that you know listen to the signs of the times in in concord with scripture and tradition, spirit coming through right that, that leads us to understand today what we have to yeah. know. And teach it's about. like uh, I think I guess expecting fathers from like the year four hundred to have thought about issues we face today would be like the council coming together today and be like all right so when time travel comes around here's what the Catholic Church is going to believe about you know it's not an issue right now but. You know, as things come along, you do still have these things to look at. And, yeah, so there's a lot of different ways to debate. So it's it's nice knowing what everyone's authority is mm-hmm. and kind of having that premise of, okay, here's where they stand. I think um, for, for me, we're talking about the whole church, it's really important to understand what beliefs say you can't contradict the Bible at all. And starting from there, then, hey, we disagree outside of that. We can always come back to that. You know, and that's... I think it's good to have a common ground and know where your common ground is and where it's not. I mean, it's really, I think it's fascinating to me that, uh, you know, none of us here would treat experience as equal authority to the Bible or to tradition. But it's really interesting to know that there are believers who do. Mm-hmm. And uh, to know, it's really important to know. Yeah, because then you can kind of backtrack why are they disagreeing with me on this. Well, to them, experience is much more important than maybe they got that from this. And, to see why we disagree, I think, is a key to being able to have unity. If you don't understand why someone disagrees with you, mm-hmm. it's really difficult to ever get past it. you got to climb someone else's spiritual ladder. I mean, you just yeah. have the best quotes on the podcast. I like this. I like the ladder <laughs> thing. Even though, in most cases, it's more like monkey bars. But that seems a little juvenile for the religion. I'm still, do you really have to double boil chocolate? You don't have to. It just might, it just melts really easily if you do. All right. <laughs> Anyway, so we mentioned, and 
I wanted to get a little bit further into um, contradictions in the Bible. Now, a lot of people of our tradition who are solo scriptural will either just deny that they exist, or they will do where they say the Bible proves the Bible is a line I hear a lot, where when it's contradicting itself, it's really trying to show us a truth by contradicting it that's somewhere in the middle. And they, you know, there's a lot of different ways they approach it. I'm interested in how the Catholic Church with Bible tradition kind of treats it. So I had a couple examples. I just kind of wanted to know maybe you could answer for me how um, the Catholic Church has treated that through the years or right now or however. Okay. Um, I hope I don't fail miserably at this, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll have you on no, again, and you'll yeah, correct yeah, yourself. Yeah. 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 Um, so the Bible clearly states, honor your mother and father several times over. Jesus also says, if you don't hate your mother and father, you can't follow after him. That seems like a contradiction. And I know, you know what our tradition would say to that is, you're supposed to honor your parents, but hate in this sense is, you know, just to put God first or something, something along that, those lines, But mm-hmm. which... I would like to argue that you're using reasoning to say that, but that's neither here nor now. Um, how does the Catholic Church treat those scriptures? Okay, so thank God, because I actually just, uh, I think that that came up in scripture for one of our services a few weeks ago, so Excellent. that's kind of fresh in my mind, so Holy Spirit was at work saving me, so I don't look like a complete fool. But as preparing for that, for that homily, um, one of the commentaries or, or uh, interpretations or scholars that I read talked about how Jesus, you know, was an orator and and he spoke in the language of his time and he used he used uh, he would have used uh, oratorical techniques just like any good speaker would, right? Things like exaggeration mm-hmm. or you know uh, hyperbole, you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, metaphor, you know what I mean? So so that's how this particular commentator talked about it you know that that he his, jesus's point was not to hate your mother and your father it was exactly as you said to put god first right that that you you can't you can't you know even your mother and father doesn't come before you right yeah in, in jesus's defense he didn't get to read the bible so yeah good point yeah <laughs> um, um so that's when i actually, read, actually he probably read that though Honor your yeah. father and mother because that was in the Hebrew yeah. scriptures. And okay. If he if he was literate and knew the scriptures, which he probably was. Do you think he was? Do you think Jesus could read? But he I mean, the scriptures in the temple, but he didn't want to be able to read. Yeah, he might have been talking. Mm-hmm. But he did. But in 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 Luke chapter four, he did open the scroll and read from it. All right, there so you can't go. There we go. Well, at least he, he could read. As he read that scroll, yeah. he could read there that. You go. Yeah. Now we know. Um, so the next couple I wrote down are actually from uh, Pete Inn's book. We've had him on the podcast before. He's uh, How the Bible Actually Works. I've never read it's, I have to say. It's I've an interesting never read book. book so. I've heard good things just from him, though. Yeah. I, I didn't expect you to have read it. I just I didn't really I didn't know know use, book. I didn't want to use where the stuff came from. I'm not an author, so, so I can't argue yeah. with an author again. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his was um, in, I think it was Second Kings, and also in Second Chronicles, they disagree on how the northern kingdom falls. The one says it's because the king sinned, and thus the kingdom fell. Second um, Chronicles says after he sinned, he repented, came back, and then the kingdom fell because of the people. How does the Catholic Church do that? I know. Um, I think what our church would just say is that Second Chronicles is probably just building on Second Kings, and both happened. 
But. Yeah, I, I, I cannot tell you the answer to that. Um, I would have to do some reading on that right, as, to, as to why they, why they contradict. Um, but, you know, again, I, I haven't read it on in front of me, but I could almost argue that they agree. Like yeah. you, could, you could almost say that they agree, right? Yeah, I would definitely the king sinned, the king sinned, and the the kingdom fell, or the king sinned and repented, but his sin led the people into sin, and the kingdom yeah, fell. So the, the king sinned and the kingdom fell. I yeah, mean, that's how I see that. Yeah. At least it's the like, point is, sin leads to right. right? Yeah. Part of this, you know, maybe Chronicles. I think that was the second one, right? Yeah. Maybe Chronicles was trying to drive home the point that, you know, that sinners lead other people into sin you know and maybe that was the truth that that scripture was trying to teach and really emphasize among the people again because even yeah. while the scripture is for us today it was also for its original audience and maybe you know maybe that particular audience the the, the divine writer was was trying to make that point right and and okay. so yeah. you know i'm making that up i, I can't you know i don't necessarily anything for that but, but that would be well, at least that, that would be my early the way i see that is yeah, you know, if one of those is correct, the other one is also correct. That seems right. fair to so say we got at least one more. Then and this one, I, I think, was the most challenging one for me to look at. Which hey, maybe we don't know the answer off the top of our head, but it'd just be fun to hear y'all's thoughts on it. And as I did check it, which everyone should do later on, you should always check this stuff. But uh, in Exodus, when they had the first meal for the Passover, they were told you're not allowed to boil the meat. Whenever you make the sacrifice, you can cook it however you cannot boil it. Then in Deuteronomy, they were told they can only boil it to make the sacrifice. So it seems like the commands are contradicting each other in two books that a lot of people would believe were written by the same person. I don't believe they were written by Moses, but a lot of people do. Okay, I don't know the answer to that, um, but I believe, I think, I learned somewhere along the line that there, <laughs> that there are that at least... Some biblical scholars say that there are different strains of tradition that go through the Pentateuch, right? That there's the Elohist and there's the Yahwehist or whatever. There's different, there's different, and I, they might be the complete wrong names. Oh, okay. so, so docu- I know what you're talking about. It's the documentary hypothesis. It's, I, I love that. Right, that there's, that there's different, there's different yeah. strains of tradition, right? It's, uh, the um, idea was that even though they were put together all by one person, they weren't necessarily all the same writings. Which a lot of that came right. from the Dead Sea Scrolls. We found right. you mm-hmm. know specific parts of it that were not together, and then we were able to say, okay, maybe someone pieced this together. Right. Yeah. So but, but part of it, and I don't know, so I don't know if we should be boiling or not boiling. Okay, is my point. Yeah. But but part of my, at least for us today, yeah, uh, I would say is the point of that scripture has nothing to do with boiling or not boiling the flesh of yeah of the animal. Right. 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 It's it, from a practical point today, for us to learn from today, that's not that's not what the, the scripture. I mean, if, if the Holy Spirit is leading the church, and you know, yes, He knew that in you know 200 BC people would be reading this, and they will be there will be an audience that will be reading that. Okay, but He also knew that in 2019 people will be reading it. The Holy Spirit knew in 2019 that that we weren't going to be really worried about whether we're boiling lamb or not boiling lamb, right? Mm, yeah. That the the teaching is. You know, the, the what we're leading to is you have to listen to what the Lord tells you to do, mm-hmm. right? And to, and to yeah. be faithful to that. And so, yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. See, back, you have to think about this the audience that scripture was written for. Yeah. In those days, it could have been unsafe to cook it right. any other way than boiling it. Right. Because the, well, the world just wasn't as sanitary. 
And yeah, especially that's a great point. Especially so, in the culinary sense. Depending on when that strain of tradition was written, right, maybe boiling was the only thing you could do. Maybe it was the only thing that was considered safe, you know? And I can see a lot of people, which is what why we brought up in the book, a lot of people have problems with the idea that it looks like the Holy Spirit just changed his mind. But I'm like, you know, I, I honestly don't know what our church would say about it. I've not seen it talked about before, but I, it's interesting what you guys thought. I never noticed yeah. it before. So yeah, I, I like um, I, I lean heavily the documentary hypothesis, and I could I could see it just being that you know different traditions, different people wrote both parts and different. That's not just different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what I like to I, I talk a lot about the difference of objects and subjects in the Bible. You know, I, I believe firmly God inspired all the subjects, and a lot of times people argue about these objects, and I'm like, you know, not that they're not true, not that they're not good. But I don't think how it's boiled was the point of that scripture. I think exactly. God wanted us to get some other message out of the Bible. Let's focus on that. Maybe less so on these objects over here. And it gets especially complicated when we can do things these days like sous vide, which isn't boiling. It's important. Which isn't boiling, but it's submerging something in water. Where do you come up with this stuff? I watch a lot of cooking cooking shows. I mean, double, what was double? Double 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 it's a, a lot of people. I've never even heard of it. Well, fancy you put it in a bag, submerge it in a tub of water, and you put a sous vide in there that keeps the water. It's a, a little machine that keeps the water at a consistent temperature. Okay. So it's more precise than boiling. Okay. Uh, but that again is close to boiling. It it's just as safe because you can choose the exact temperature at which you want to cook it for many hours. So, so with that, Deuteronomy wasn't going to say that because exactly. there was no such thing as a sous vide back then. Deuteronomy can't say you're not allowed to sous vide your lamb, which uh, it was good because that was just not possible back then. That was uh, a Dan's point actually is that a lot of that stuff just that it wasn't even a thing at the different yeah. times it was written, and it, it had to be more or less updated to keep the same truth, even though maybe the object changed. Right. So yeah, yeah. Whether or not you sous vide your food is not important. Yeah, so everybody the point might be to properly cook your food. Yeah. Maybe that was the point, right? And, and at that particular time, proper cooking was considered to be boiling. At the other time, it was considered to be roasting or whatever. Right. You know? well, it could even be uh, a matter of what was going on with the people they lived with. You know, in Exodus, they were living closer to Egyptians. Maybe it was offensive for some reason to boil your food near them. And God was saying, hey, don't offend them. Good point. Yeah, we have no idea what was going right. on. Yeah. yeah, I definitely don't but, know that. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So point is, uh, everybody read how the Bible actually works by Pete ends and listen to scholarly talk. Right, that That's is the episode. Point. Listen to more of a podcast. <laughs> no, no. So, but uh, it, I think it, I think it's a good exercise. And if you guys know people from other denominations, do stuff like this. Bring up stuff about the Bible and talk about it. See how both sides view it. Turns out, all those three. So we kind of viewed them pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. It yeah. didn't really seem to be a problem that Sola Scriptura or tradition in Scripture or whatever didn't really seem to be that much of a problem in looking at it together. And I think that's the important takeaway, really, mm-hmm. outside of listening to scholarly talk. Right. Yes. So uh, with Bible contradictions out of the way, at least those three, uh, we come to <laughs> our speed round of the so. episode. Okay.
Those are the only three contradictions, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, you've done this before. Uh, I presume you don't remember the rules because I don't most of the time. No follow-up questions. No follow-up questions from us. Uh, you have to answer the... if Only answer the question if you can answer in one sentence. You can't you just say pass. can't just say pass. And we will ask you... Starting... A lot. Wait, when does it start? And we can start... Now. Now. Is the Vatican II Council infallible? Yes. Uh, did it change dogma or doctrine? Slash doctrine. No. Uh, why the references to the spirit of the... Josh, I don't know what this means. The spirit of Vatican II. Yeah, yeah. Why the references to it? Yeah. Um, what does it mean? Why the reference? That phrase, the spirit of Vatican II, was often used by Catholics who disagree on the, on the uh, implementation of the council. Okay. That was a good sentence. Uh, what started the Vatican II Council? Uh, Pope, Pope John XXIII um, decided that going into this, the modern age, which was the late 50s, early 60s, that it was important to um, come together as the church and to address issues in the modern world. Okay. Was it necessary, the Vatican II Council? Yes. You could say no. Who all was involved? All the bishops of the world um, participated, as well as many, uh, many other experts and um, individuals that were asked for their opinions, advice, and counsel. Okay. Uh, so, what were Pope John Twenty Third? What were his awareness, renewal, and dialogue visions? That, yeah, yeah. He had a vision of, he said it was awareness, renewal, and dialogue is what I said. What is that about? I've never heard that quote before. Um, but I would say that he was aware that the church had to speak in modern language to modern times and wanted to engage in a dialogue with the culture so that um, the church could preach the gospel effectively in the current age. Okay. Very good. Did the Vatican II Council make the gospel more clear? I think it helped to make the gospel more relatable to the modern Christian. Okay. And this one isn't really speed round, but no. he gets one last sentence. <laughs> uh, yes. Is there anything else about the Vatican II Council that we should know? That we need to know? That you can say in a sentence. Um, or, you know, a lot of sentences. <laughs> it's a very big deal. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, is there anything else you need to know? Uh, um, that we are still, I'll say this, that I don't know who said this, but someone said it, somebody important said it, that it often takes a hundred years for the effects and the full um, import of the council to be fully known. 
any insurance council. And so it, that would be true. We're only 50 some years into it. So, what was so, so that, oh, it's three o'clock, gentlemen. Do you remember oh, what happened? Three o'clock. o'clock. We say the Lord's Prayer. That's right. So, so we, we, will, we will pause the recording. So, uh, we're back from our uh, saying a prayer with <laughs> yeah, St. <we>, uh, <laughs> Matthew's Cathedral break. <laughs> we, we found out that my alarm goes off seconds after Father Pat, so I've been doing the prayer slightly behind. And if it's your clock off. I, I don't know. Bad so if you get your blessings a couple seconds later, I'm sorry, man. There you go. Yeah. And if you're unfamiliar with what that is, uh, every day at three, uh, St. Matthew's Church and the and whole church, the whole church, us, uh, we will say the Lord's Prayer at three and use that time to reflect on whatever it is. One another's needs. And each parish, we, yeah. we try to pray for the needs of, the, of our parish community. So you could do it for your own churches or. For the whole church. Yeah. I think of uh, yeah. Church Unity, TJ, okay. Father Pat, and St. Matthew's. It's usually what I'm kind of thinking on. Awesome. But you know, it is St. Matthew's church is what made me right. start it. So, of course, I think of that naturally. Right. So, yeah. And that's the end of the speed round. Yeah, that uh, was very speedy. Which was interrupted <laughs> by a prayer. Um, oh, I, I do want to ask, though, because now I'm a wild follow up. Still, it took three minutes, though. Uh, how long is this supposed to take? We don't have time for it. Oh, okay. oh. Three minutes is good time. <laughs> anyway, now can we do follow-ups? How does the Vatican, the Second Council of the Vatican, how does that play a part of authority? Is that just as authoritative as scripture for you guys? Since is that part of tradition or outside? It's part of tradition. Yeah. So, so the um, excuse oh, me. he's bringing the books. Here we go. So at the moment he's bringing so. us the uh, the Vatican II yeah, files, narrative. which are two. 1,500 page books. Very heavy books. Yeah. So these are all the documents um, both issued directly from the council or as sort of a post-conciliar document of the council. So basically this is summarizes the teaching of the church um, in modern language, addressing modern issues in, in various, you know, I mean, there's documents on the liturgy, which is worship, right? There's documents on social communication, on the authority of bishops, on, re- on religious life, meaning like priests and or, uh, religious orders, like nuns yeah. and monks, right? Uh, there's a document on religious education, a document on divine revelation, right? Mm-hmm. Scripture and tradition, yeah. okay? Exactly um, a document on um, the relation of the church to non-Christian religions, so the Jewish people, the Muslims, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's tons of documents here yeah. that deal with various aspects of the church's engagement with the modern world. Mm-hmm. Right. And and less than half of these are actually from the council. The rest are from after the council. Yeah. So some are some are conciliar and some are post conciliar. So coming from the work of the council, but in accord with it, sort of flowing from it. Right. So um, fascinating stuff. Yeah. So it's great stuff. No, I can tell by looking at it. There's definitely more of this than there is the Bible. <laughs> do we know how much longer it is than the Bible? I do not. Oh, I, I was hoping you just well. These are both randomly have a word approximately a thousand and twenty pages. That looks like a lot of words per. Page. Yeah, I mean it's big. You know. Yeah, it's a little bigger print than most Bibles. I mean, but, you know, but they're big. Yeah, but uh, you, you can't find them on Amazon. If you absolutely. Yeah, we have to look at them. 
for yourselves and want to read 2,000 pages. It's like the Bible in the sense that it's not one book, it's right. 73 books, right? So, yeah. Or, excuse me, 66 for something. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> some of the best books I've read are over 1,000 pages long. That's true. Yeah. It's the Bible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's definitely> <laughs> the, uh, I forget who it was. I was talking to somebody. So I just, uh, I'm, I'm a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. There's some numbers I like a lot. Some I'm numbers X. I don't like at all. <laughs> but good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. But uh, I don't like the number six. Well, so I made the joke the other day that I need to become Catholic because then I don't have to worry about those 66 books. So I was like, oh, man. He's got a point there. Yeah, right. Oh man. Anyway, so um, just a couple last questions in that. Can the second meeting of the Vatican or Second Council? Second Vatican Council. Second Vatican mm-hmm. Council. I need to say that correctly. The way written down is just V two. Can the V two be useful for non Catholics? I mean. Sure. I mean, yes. I, th- I think. I think if you read, for example, um, what's the one document I would say that would probably be good for anyone to read would be um, the document called Lumen Gentium, or the Dogmatic Constitution on the Church. Right. It just talks about basically the Church in the modern world. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the bit, you could probably Google that and find it online and not have to pay money to see it. Yeah, but you should pay for it. Support Vatican Council. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you actually, you could go on the Vatican website and print the document right off there. You wouldn't oh, have to pay that. Yeah. Yes, you just have um, to buy 2,000 sheets of paper. Exactly. Or just print the one part he's talking about. Right. So, so this is, I'm just going to read the first paragraph, okay? And, and I don't so, know how this wouldn't, wouldn't appeal to every single person, right? Yeah. Christ is the light of humanity. And it is accordingly the heartfelt desire of this sacred council being gathered together in the Holy Spirit, that by proclaiming his gospel to every creature, it may bring to all men that light of Christ, which shines out visibly from the church. Since the church in Christ is in the nature of sacrament, a sign and instrument, that is, of communion with God and of unity among all men, she here proposes for the benefit of the faithful and for the whole world to set forth as clearly as possible and in the tradition laid down by earlier councils, her own nature, meaning the church's own nature, and universal mission. The condition of the modern world lends greater urgency to this duty of the church, for while men of the present day are drawn ever more more closely together by social, technical, and cultural bonds, it still remains for them to achieve full unity in Christ. If only they'd had any idea how connected technologically we'd be, and right, and and so that's right. This was this was this was this was officially promulgated in 1964. They have no idea, right? And we're in the updated version. They're going to end that paragraph with hashtag whole church podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean I didn't even know that, but that was perfect for this, right? For for your podcast, right? It's like the church. the, The point of that paragraph is. The church is as needed today as it's ever been needed, mm-hmm. right? And, and mm-hmm. we need to we need to we need to be able to speak. The church needs to be able to speak and evangelize in the modern world. I, I don't think it's a question as much as like is it beneficial for someone who's not Catholic? It's like reading a like a res, a resource book. Yeah, it's like no matter what religion you are, these documents were voted upon. Well, do they vote on them? They did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Voted upon by at least fifty bishops, right? 
every oh, mission in the world. It was, like, it was like three, literally, it was like 3,000 missions. 3,000. Mm-hmm. By 3,000 of the most enlightened people from the Catholic Church, needless to say, I, I think what they have to say about the matter is important. At least what do they know. Yeah. You know what? And another one, um, so that's on the church, right? This is the other one that's really good called Gaudium et Spes, or the Pastoral Constitution on the Church in the Modern World. Right? And, and that would be the same, right? I think. Um, now, do you look through these often or just when we're in your office? <laughs> just when you're in your office. <laughs> okay. The joy, this is the first paragraph again. The joy, the joy. The joy and hope, the grief and anguish of the men of our time, especially those who are poor or afflicted in any way, are the joy and hope, the grief and anguish of the followers of Christ as well. Nothing that is genuinely human fails to find an echo in their hearts, for theirs is a community composed of men, of men who, united in Christ and guided by the Holy Spirit, press onwards towards the kingdom of the Father and are bearers of a message of salvation intended for all men. That is why Christians cherish a feeling of deep solidarity with the human race and its history. Wow. Mm-hmm. Right. Kind of goes on yeah. yeah. And that's just like a basic statement of be a human. Right. Yeah. And it's, it, it's yeah, not it's all mean, scripture yeah. related. Yeah. Now, not every document in this book is going to be of yeah. great interest. You know what I mean? I mean? You're not going to be quite as interested, for example, oh, yeah. in, in, you know, <laughs> the. Uh, well, I don't know. The Declaration <laughs> on Religious Liberty. That would be probably a pretty that one. That sounds too, interesting, right? It all sounds interesting, um, honestly. The de- decree on the training of priests, for example. Well, I mean, okay, there might be somebody that might still be interesting, that. but significantly but less. Interesting. Not, not as broad, you know, not as universal. Definitely doesn't apply to us. Yeah, but that's true. Just thinking about the stuff he read. I think our, our takeaway here is. For Catholic believers, that's just as authoritative as the Bible. For us, we wouldn't say it's just as authoritative. But I would challenge someone to find a Protestant who would say, "No, I don't. I don't believe that." You know, like how <laughs> dare you say you know, like, going to say that? That's still useful for learning. It's still compassion. How dare you? I'm saying it, it's still able to be used for learning. It's still in accordance with the Bible, even if you don't want to say it's as authoritative. I think that's more of a language problem than anything really right i don't think anyone's going to say oh bible doesn't agree with that it, it just doesn't right you know like it's not a problem that's good for learning deep and and a language that we're more familiar with that right. that's great so if you've ever thought wondered if reading uh, a vatican council document would help deepen your faith it, it would. probably would yeah unless you choose to read how to train priests <laughs> Probably would right deepen your faith, yeah. although maybe it would. Yeah. It would deepen your understanding of the Catholic Church. And absolutely, it would probably deepen your understanding Which, of a priest and what, what, Which, I would argue, what his vocation is or what he believes his vocation is. Yeah. So I would argue understanding that help you get closer to church unity. Which it probably is part of what it means to be Christian. Probably would have been really beneficial for us to read that before we met you. Yeah, that would be cool. Maybe. Actually, that would have been really interesting. Yeah, if yeah. we had known to do that. Yeah, which we did not. <laughs> but uh, so. Everything else you've been here for us to do before. You know, the last time I asked you for a practical thing to do has been the one thing I think has helped me the most out of everything I've learned from the podcast. That prayer we did during this podcast. But um, if you had said there was a practical thing for people to do, to be more united, who maybe don't agree on, you know, language, what's authority or what's not, but what's something practical for just average guy to do? Uh, gosh. 
Um, no repeats. Yeah, yeah, this is a much harder question. To repeat your question. Just, just for, um, it's a practical thing someone from another tradition maybe doesn't agree on authority, but does agree on the Bible. What's something practical that they can do to help promote unity with someone from another denomination? Specifically on the issue of authority? Just in general. I just wanted to tie in what we talked about today. Um, I, I mean, specifically relating to the Catholic Church, I would say, you know, get to know, if you ever get the opportunity to meet or know a priest, talk to them. Right. Yeah, I'll vouch for that it's it's worth it. They're fun. Yeah. If, you, if you see a priest or a rabbi... Walk into a bar, you should go with them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they're going into a bar. <laughs> yeah, that actually reminds me of one of my other favorite dumb jokes. Go ahead. So, uh, so a horse walks into a bar and finishes last in a steeplechase. <laughs> All right. But that's uh, what we call anti humor. <laughs> Yeah, that's for those who understand uh, comedy. Uh, <laughs> I love that. That's, joke. that's good stuff. But uh, no, it isn't. I, I, I wanna, I'm gonna add on my own practical thing. I think it was really interesting to go through specific instances in the Bible, see where we stand, and just talk about it. So I think that's practical. If you know someone from another denomination who doesn't believe exactly the same way as you, come up with some stuff from the Bible and just bring it to them, see what they say. You might find out you agree more than you thought. You might have just an interesting conversation. Mm -hmm. Either way, it sounds like a win. Yeah. yeah. Um, so with that, if more people got to know, you know, priests from Catholic tradition, from you know Protestant people, if we got to know more priests and kind of reached out in that way, what do you think would be what would change for them? What would change for me and TJ from knowing them? That's what I'm basically asking. Um. We can make PJ answer if you want. We know a lot more about the Catholic Church. You would, you would know, right? You would know a lot more about the Catholic Church. I think you might, um, yeah, I, I think you would, it would probably lift, sort of lift the veil of mystery, you know, behind that the church right. some, sometimes seems to divide us, right? I think sometimes yeah. the church, the Catholic Church is kind of viewed as like this, you know, we're sort of over here. You know, and no one really knows very much about us, as though we're like some sort of secret cult society, and we're, and we're really not at all. We'll, we'll answer any question you want. You can visit us anytime. Like I, I enjoy when when someone comes in and says, you know, to me before, you know, maybe they get here before our, you know, we have a nine o'clock, you know, Sunday morning service. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody comes in at you know twenty to nine and says, hey, you know, I'm. I'm here for my world religion class. You know, I've, <laughs> I've never been in a Catholic church before. You know, I did that once. You know, what do I need to know? You know, and you know that that to me is a kind of a cool opportunity to say, "Hey, that's that's great. Welcome." And you know, this is what you're going to see. You know, as much as I can tell you in the next ten minutes. You know, this is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to see. This is what we believe is happening, right? Mm -hmm. You know, so gives them a little bit of perspective going into it. It's not just like what's going on here, right? It gives us the opportunity to say, "This is what's going on here," right? So now you can. Now you can see it from a, from a different perspective, right? Yeah. No, knowing how a Catholic is viewing it helps you to see and understand maybe what's going on a little bit better. So I think that's a potential advantage, you know. Uh -huh. Even if it would be different or foreign or unusual to you, at least you would understand the perspective from which a Catholic is seeing it. Mm -hmm. Which helps a lot if you have Catholic friends like I do. I have several that uh, 
we don't, I don't know them in person. I speak to them, you know, over the internet. And I actually, I know one of them in person. He converted to the Catholicism. Okay. Which is interesting. Yeah. Which was really interesting to me a year ago. And yeah, that's yeah. always really interesting. Like, to, for me, it's even interesting. Like, I, when, when I talk to someone who's converted, because I didn't convert, right? I was, yeah. I was yeah. raised as baptized as a Catholic, raised as a Catholic. So to me, it's always fascinating to talk to somebody that became a Catholic that really, as an adult, said, no, this is what, I believe this is true, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's always really interesting to me. One of our parishioners um, is actually a former Episcopal priest. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I love talking to her because she's, you know, just mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very uplifting for me to hear about her story. Yeah. So he has no idea I'm going to interrogate him when he gets back <laughs> to this state. About yeah, why for information, but uh, my, my fiance's actually asked me about why we don't go to a Catholic church. You know, just talking to him about different stuff I've learned and mm-hmm. all, you know, about the sacraments and stuff. She's like, you know, it sounds a lot more like you, you go to a Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. I personally am very much a, a book person. I sit down and I do things almost ritualistically. Yeah. She's like, you know, that sounds a lot more like you. Why don't we just do that? Like, you know, it's a good question. <laughs> I, like, um, I like our church. I think it's my family is pretty much the reason why I'm at sure, where I'm absolutely, at. But, yeah. Yeah. but it, it is it is cool. The more you learn, the more you're like, you know, it's not a scary idea to start going to a Catholic church. Right. It kind of would be cool. But yeah, I mean, I think that that's the biggest thing for me. It's not a scary idea. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm in a town and I don't know anywhere, I think now I would say I'm just as likely to go to Catholic church as I would be any of the other churches there. If I don't know anyone, why not? But, uh, yeah, cool. I think that's my biggest takeaway from knowing Father Pat, and I know Sister Rose, too, who's going to be on the podcast later, one of our future guests you're about to ask me about. All right. So, uh, she likes to body search. I don't know who's Sister Rose. That's where I heard. She's a nun who works with the um, Catholic chapel in UNCW. Yeah, it's, it's not someone you should know. You should know her. Okay. But she's cool. Right, if you do get the chance to go to Wilmington and meet her. Absolutely, sure. I've never she's, been to Wilmington. Cool. I would go just to see it's a good city. <laughs> so, uh, the last thing we do before outro uh, is our God Moment of the Week, which you've done before, which we've done before, and I'm almost to the point where I understand what it's asking. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just a moment throughout the past week or more where you've seen God in your life, which should be a lot easier for you. I think you actually would be nice if it was. I think it's cheating for you. But uh, <laughs> we'll go first because that's just the polite thing to do. And I'll go first this time. Uh, just to make sure Josh doesn't steal my answer. Oh. So we, uh, we oh, work at Chipotle. Yeah. That's so a good answer. We work at Chipotle. And uh, we recently had business cards made for the podcast. We used them all. We used them all. So we don't have any to give you. I was going to leave some here, but you know, we but used them all. One day last month, uh, a dude came in from Barnes & Noble, which is across the food court because we're in multiple way. And uh, I was like, I was being nosy because I like to do that sometimes. He is and nosy. He, he bought a Bible. I was like, got a, got a new word? And he's like, yeah, man, uh, I needed a different version just to make sure what I was reading was correct. And I told him about the podcast and gave him a business card and uh, his name was Lance and he's probably listening to this. It was great to meet you, Lance. I'm so glad uh, he called to check up on us. Yeah, that's that was that was crazy. Uh, this we talked about him before because you know he actually listened to the podcast mm-hmm. and that to me was just blew my mind. Yeah. Was, wow, what a good God moment. But then 
Yeah, you know, you're doing he, he called to check up on us at work, just, which is just so cool. Cool. To, to have happened. Well, it was so weird for me because you know, I'm the manager there. So someone gives me the phone and says, uh, this is for you. I immediately am thinking, oh, man, we're going to have to remake someone's burrito. Someone messed something up. And he's like, hey, is this Josh? I'm just coming to check up on you. Someone called to check up on me. That's crazy. Yeah, well, it was, a, it was a, just an awesome moment to see. Yeah, awesome. We're actually doing something here. Oh, yeah. At least for Lance. Oh, yeah. It's all for you. It's, yeah, it's all for him. Um, my God moment. Especially now that you said it could be more than a week. Ha ha. Yeah, well, this you were going to do it anyway. I was. He's, uh, I was in the car. I was listening to uh, Honey, I'm Good by Andrew. Who's that by? Andrew Grammer? It's Andy. Andy Grammer? Yeah, it's a good song. And I was listening to it, and uh, it brought me back to a few years. It was actually before my accident, so probably four years ago now. Right after I left Charleston, I went to school there, I came back home. They were still doing the Bible study, and I was mentoring a guy who was going to take over this small group. And I was driving from Charlotte all the way to Charleston once a week to still help him because I knew he wasn't quite ready to take over yet. So I was still going all the way there to help mentor him. And then one night, in order to keep me awake, that was right when that song released. I listened to that song over and over because it's just a really high-energy song. It's no, no, honey, I'm good. That's fun stuff. I do like yeah, that. It just kind of made me remember that time in my life where I was so dedicated. I was going three hours there and three hours back every single week. I'm driving six hours to go to a two-hour-long Bible study, mentor this guy. And there's a lot of, like, it's a convoluted God moment. On one hand, it challenged me of, am I still that committed? Will I still drive six hours in a day for something like that? And that's kind of challenging. And on the other hand, it reminded me of, we had such a strong family in that group. And just kind of thinking about them and kind of warmed my heart to remember that they're still out there, and just we're able to pray for them and think about them. If Amber, Lee, Zach, or any of y'all are listening, I'm thinking about you guys. Oh, is it Zach from Wilmington? No, Zach from uh, Charleston. I don't know. No, I no, The bigger Zach. Oh, well. No. But yeah, so that was my God. God moment of the last few weeks. The last few <laughs> weeks. Sometime <laughs> within. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Father Pat, did you have a God moment you'd like to share? I guess uh, this past weekend we uh, we took some of our middle school students on a retreat. So there was ninety three of them, so wow. a bunch of sixth, seventh, eighth graders. Um, we took them to a camp not too far from here, and we were there for the weekend. And I was with them all day Saturday. And um, as part of that, we had uh, some different opportunities for them to worship. And um, so I was with them all day. Like I said, it was there in the morning for. Confessions, and um, so a lot of them went to confession, and um, so uh, the, the, there were other priests there as well for that. But I stayed with them all day and was there that evening. We had a uh, praise and worship type service that evening, music and silent prayer also. Um, and I just sat in the back. And the purpose of me sitting in the back was for anybody that didn't go to confession earlier, if they wanted to, that I was available for that. So I, just, I said, "I'll be back here. If you want to come back, come back or whatever." And I had a couple of people that did come back to confession, but I had Several people that also just came back, and these are kids, right? Just came back to talk. They had already been to confession, and they just wanted to talk, right? Oh. And um, and there was one young man in particular that we had a very, um, you know, for a middle school boy to be that open and yeah. to be that vulnerable, mm-hmm. right? To be able to sort of just, you know, pour his heart out and to get some things out on the table that he was really struggling with. Um, and for me to be able to be present to him there, right? Yeah. Um, 
that was just a you know great um, you know it was like an honor you know mm-hmm. a privilege to be able to do that so mm-hmm. in the Lord's name right it's not yeah, so you know, cool, there, not there, not as myself really. Right, I'm there. I'm there to be the Lord's voice, not my own. Mm-hmm. So, so the, Paul said the ambassadors of Christ. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's a, that's something a lot of people who never went to camp and had the camp experience don't realize. Kids will talk about it. Middle end of that. Yeah, kids are aren't not afraid sure. to yeah. talk about what's wrong most of the time. Yeah, that's and they aren't afraid to confess their love for God either, especially once they get educated about what he is. It's just. Children are powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, With that, we're going to do our outro. Then we're going to do um, the 10 of one thing we do just for our Patreon listeners. So I would say hang in there, but instead I'm going to say go to patreon.com, support us, and then listen to Father Pat try and summarize this in 10 seconds or less. But if you're not a Patreon, you can't. But you do get to hear the outro stuff. So if you made it this far, please... Uh, make sure you follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And Twitter. And Twitter. I remembered it this time. <laughs> I sort of have to do the Twitter. Right. Do Joshua Twitter. currently runs the Twitter. Someone else should. So we need someone else to run on Twitter. Because we need yeah. someone that's good at it. Um, obviously, we mentioned supporting us on Patreon. You can do that. Um, and, of course, shares. Anytime you share, that, that helps us a whole lot. So you guys have the opportunity, if you're on Facebook, Twitter, whatever, share the post. Um... You know, last time, I think uh, St. Matthew's Church did share it on their Facebook, and then we ended up having it shared on the Catholic News Herald. I'm trying to remember mm-hmm. exactly the name. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. They talked to me. Um, they didn't talk to TJ, so if they, if they want to call us again, yeah. this time they should talk to TJ. <laughs> we are all in this better. <laughs> yeah, we actually, uh, we actually are getting that framed. I got two of the newspapers like sent to me. Oh, cool, cool. I thought cool. it was the coolest thing. Yeah, have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. Yeah. It is cool stuff. We gotta get a better picture this time, though. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, please uh, leave us feedback if you wish on our Google Play. There's a way to leave feedback. Supposedly, I know that Stitcher and iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Apple Podcasts are the easiest ways to leave a review. We really appreciate that. Every review we get, especially the good ones, makes it easier for other people to find the podcast because the algorithms say, "Hey, this is a good podcast. You should see it too." Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, if you guys just help us manipulate the system and believe that we're good, that would be great. Right, and uh, if you have anything to say, find us on Instagram, Facebook. Us you personally. Us at thewholechurch at gmail.com. Not the whole church podcast, just the whole church at gmail.com. And uh, for some future guests we're going to have, Joshua. Sister Rose. Sister Rose, <laughs> that's, that's it. it. That's um, it. I can't, I can't uh, I tried to pronounce it last time, I couldn't do it. Brother Jeff White will be with us. But Angela Offlin is going to be a part of our ages and podcast we're having come up, as mm-hmm. well as Chris Brissy. Um, we're having Alex Matthews as well. Father Michael from St. Michael's Anglican. Alicia Matthews, not Alex. Yeah. Okay, what's that? Someone Matthews. But, uh, <laughs> One of the Matthews sisters. <laughs> it's Alicia. But, uh, yeah, we have uh, Father Michael from St. Michael's Anglican mm-hmm. Church. Um, the pastor of the Lutheran Church nearby is going to be on. I can't think of his name right now. Do you have know? I don't. Listen, it was like Russian. I don't know it. I'm sure. But uh, anyway, he'll be on. And then, uh, of course, at the end of the season. At the end of the season, uh, we will have Francis Chan. Who's just not aware about it at all. Yeah. He probably has no clue who we are. Not yet. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Tune in next week. Do-do-do-do-do-do.